Hey, it's Ryan Reynolds, and I'm here with Keith, co-star of my upcoming film, If, only in theaters May 17th. Do you want to tell people the big news? All right, I'll do. Sign up now and you'll get unlimited for $15 a month in six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan on us. Mintmobile.com slash switch. Upfront payment of $45 equivalent to $15 per month. Unlimited over 40 gigabytes per month. Face lower speeds. Videos at 480p. Active Mint customers by 531.24 get six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan. Auto renews after six months. Offer ends May 31st, 2024. Separate Paramount Plus registration required. Terms and conditions apply if rated PG. Planning for your next trip? Elevate your travel style with Quince. Quince has all the jet-setting essentials you'll want for your next getaway, like European linen, premium luggage options, buttery soft Italian leather bags, and so much more. And it's all priced at 50 to 80% less than similar brands. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe and ethical manufacturing practices. Pack your bags with high-quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to quince.com slash trip for free shipping and 365-day returns. The Opinion Line with PJ Coogan on Corks 96 FM. If there's any dodgy situations on the roads that you think we should know about, uh, don't forget to let us know when safe to do so. 1850-715-996, the number, the text to WhatsApp, 083-396-9696. Email opinion at 96fm.ie. Coming up a bit later on this morning, more on the rats in Mayfield. Talking about him yesterday with uh, Councillor Ted Tynan. Today, the woman who saw 10 of them jumping out of a wheelie bin. Also, she's from Nottnehini. She's a politician in Sweden. She says COVID is getting worse there. And she believes it's because they didn't lock down. We have a lot of deaths and people have been going to the pictures. People have been going out to house parties. People have been seeing each other and they haven't taken the virus seriously, really. That's coming up a little bit later. But first of all, we're three weeks halfway through Level 5 today. And look, it is tough. It is hard. Particularly, you're trying to sort out what will be able to do over Christmas. You're trying to sort out, keep the kids from going demented. You can't throw them out in the green when it's a morning like this. At least the schools are open, mercifully still open. But how how is it going for you? How, how, are, you, how are you faring out three weeks on? A lot of people very worried uh, about the rising death rate. We put it be 16 last night and 14 of them had happened this month so far in November. So that was the highest rate we'd had in months and months and months. But look, that was predicted, to be fair, a few weeks ago, but still very, very high. The daily case numbers going down. We hear the warning there in the news from Tomas Ryan, who's been on the programme with me many times. You know, we might, it mightn't be the wisest thing to come out of it this side of Christmas or at least come out of it too much come out of it ease off too much this side of Christmas which is not what people want to hear they want to think that in three weeks from now we'll go from level five down Uh, the warning has been that we may not be able to go below level three which means we'd be still have the pubs closed and trying to do outside seating and the restaurants would be only outside seating and all of that but we'd have a problem as well with visiting friends and relatives and family over the Christmas. What everyone wants to do is get back to where we were, say, in August and maybe September when things were good. Maybe when all the pubs were opening. If we could get back to that in time for Christmas, it would be great. One group that's particularly perturbed about where we might go on the 1st of December and indeed where we are now is is dance classes and ballet teachers because... 
they're in there with, with gyms and sports and other things. They're closed at the moment. And there's, I, I was shocked to discover not just hundreds, thousands of people losing out on this. Sinead Murphy is the principal of the Cork School of Dance. Sinead, good morning to you. Good morning, PJ. Thank you for having me on this morning. Delighted. All of the dance schools and all of the workshops are all closed right now. We are indeed. We've been closed um, since midnight on the 6th of October when Level 3 restrictions came in. And first of all, can I just say, I'm sure people are you know, sick to their eye teeth of listening about COVID-19 and restrictions. And we as a sector are very aware of the hardship that has befallen everybody on society, and especially people who've lost loved ones, people who cannot visit their loved ones in nursing homes and hospitals. So we are very aware of the awful effect that the pandemic has had on every aspect of society. Mm. But we as a sector, you know, we have to fight our own corner as well. The of course same you do. And, and people business. might have forgotten it, Sinead, uh, that... It's not. It's level three that has affected you guys, not five. Yeah, it has. Yeah, completely. And I wear four hats in this. You know, I'm a teacher, I'm a business owner, I'm an employer, and I'm a consumer. And I have not been able to work effectively in a studio since midnight on the third of on the sixth of October. We can only operate in levels one and level two under the current government plan for living with COVID. Even with thankfully. restricted numbers, no? Even with restricted wow. numbers, yeah. So we've, you know, we all, very thankfully, we were able to reopen on the 20th of June, uh, the 29th of June, I should say, and then others opened on the 20th of July, all with our restrictions in place. I mean, I'm a rental client in the Firkin Crane, and they implemented the strictest of measures to ensure staff and student safety. Yeah. We all did our COVID compliance training with one-way systems, ventilated studios, everything that we, we were asked to do by government yeah. and NEFET, we did. You must feel a bit hard, hard done by then, Sinead, if, if gyms, for example, were able to open at level well, three in year not. Absolutely. But in a way, I mean, I feel hard done by, but I'm not against the fact that gyms are open. I mean, I think it's great for their businesses that they can actually remain open. They are able to remain open, gyms, leisure centres, for individual training at level three. And if, you know, individual training is not just, maybe I'm speaking out of turn here now, but I don't think it's just one person on an exercise bike in a big studio on their own. I think it's the individual working, training working out themselves, training on the bike or whatever, in a space that is designated for them with, a, you know, two metre distance or possibly more for the person beside them. So you could have possibly 10 adults, maybe more, in a gym studio. And we can't put 12 six-year-old children at two metres apart from each other in a dance studio at level three. Correct me if I'm wrong, Sinead, but you use the big hall there in the Firkin Crane, don't you? We do, Where yeah. You, so the first all the bleachers go back and you're using Absolutely. the huge space there. We have a massive space in it's Studio One. It's I think I could be wrong, but I think it's like 10 metres by eight. Yeah. It's huge. And we can fit, you know, we could fit 30 kids in there, but we don't. We have all our class sizes are restricted to comply with all the regulations that we've been asked to put in place. So our students are podded since August. They have their own place, excuse me, within their own pod. That would have been their place for the duration of the term. The pods were 
um, implemented to facilitate efficient contact tracing as guided by NEFIT and Sport Ireland. We did all of that. So you talk about big, big studio. So we're talking a big auditorium, basically. Yeah. Where the stage it's the is concert, the concert the hall with the seats pushed back. Pushed yeah, 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 yeah. And we're not allowed to teach 12 kids, 8 kids in that big space. And the other studio spaces that they have in the Firk and Crane as well. All well ventilated. The doors are open. The windows are open. They inserted um, a, an air purifier system. So after all, we, you know, we have been operating really successfully from the 20th of July. We did have to close for a week in August to implement the pod system and arrange all of that. Then we reopened. And to quote a parent, you know, and several parents, they've said they feel safer allowing their children attend the dance class and they feel confident sending them into that safe, controlled, hygienic environment than they would sending them to an academic school where they're in, you know, the one classroom for the duration of of several hours as opposed to us where it's 45 minutes. We've had to reduce our class times in order to facilitate uh, cleaning of the studio. So after every class was in, every studio was cleaned. So you could have a class of 10-year-old children and there might only be 10 in the class and the studio would be disinfected, all the ballet bars that the kids would hold on to, all disinfected, the shoe racks they put there, you know, everything was done that was asked of us. And we just find the level, it's just not a level playing pitch, really, you know. And the kids themselves found it difficult to understand because a lot of our senior students have chosen to study dance in their further education. So they will study dance at third level. And they have now been out of a a studio environment since the 6th of October. Um, Their audition process will commence just after Christmas. They've got exams, dance exams to take prior to um, auditioning for their college places in the UK. They can't do these exams. These exams have been on hold since May we were hoping to do them remotely in November and then obviously because we're closed we can't do them remotely so now they've been pushed to February again so these students who wish to train and further their dance education with third level degrees either in UL or in dance colleges in the UK can't attend their dance classes now to prepare for the exams and for their auditions. Mm. So the, these would be the, the, the elite students, and I guess, would. you know, yeah. but they're also, and I was, I was very surprised the last time we discussed dance and, and the limitations on dance classes on the show, the number of youngsters who have either a little bit of involvement or a lot of involvement in dance classes is colossal. It's colossal. You know, you must remember not every child is going to be sport-minded. Not every child is going to play hurling, football, rugby, camogie. Not every child is that way inclined. Some children like their out-of-school educational activities to be in performing arts. And that's how we like to describe ourselves as out-of-school educational activities because we are providing an education to those children, albeit not in the mainstream subject, but in a performing arts subject. About how and many numbers-wise are we talking? I mean, your, your, own, your own school, for example. You know, well, I mean, I've, I don't have a very, very large school. I have about 300 kids in my school. Um, and But other schools around the city would have 1,000 kids, some of them bigger performing arts schools. Other schools would have, you know, we'd all have in the region of 200 to maybe up to 1,000 pupils within their on their school books, wow. you know? And that's talking... Cork City. 
So then you have the rest of the county. You have the rest of the country. You know, and these kids cannot. And, you know, we just found out in the last few weeks as well, their drama classes have also been impacted because apparently they're not allowed to go ahead either under level three. Yeah. And your hope, I think, is we're three weeks today into level five. Your hope is that when we come out of this or we're supposed to come out of this in three weeks time, that you'll at least be able to open again. Well, it would be, absolutely. To be honest, it's actually quite, you know, everybody's job is essential to them and this job is essential to me as as a business owner, as an employer, as a teacher, you know, and my students are severely impacted by the fact that they cannot attend their in-studio dance classes. Um, We would hope that the country would open up, certainly at at level three, if not, you know, pray to God, we might even get to level two. But chances are that it will be level three and we will still be unable to teach our students until we get to level two, which okay. is, you know... Which on, is on the whenever side, it happens, which is it's too long. It you can't make any plans for, for, exactly. for anything. And we know it's impossible to plan. None of us can plan. Look where we were on the 12th of March, you know. Nobody can plan ahead. But it would just... We, we are in conversation and constant communication with Catherine Martin's office and the Minister for Arts, Sport, tourism, etc. It's a very long, long title. It is. We it, are in constant communication with her, um, no later than um, last Monday. So we are hoping for a resolution fairly quickly. She did speak about um, dance classes and performing arts subjects at Doyle Questions okay. last week in response to some questions that were put to her. So we're hoping that something will come out of this, All right. and that you know, hopefully by by December the second, we might be in a position to reopen and get our students back in the dance studios training and studying for their chosen um, activity. Right, Sinead, I'm going to leave it with you there because we've got other people who want to talk about this. Sinead Murphy, Principal of the Cork School of Dance. She alone has 300 or so pupils, but there are thousands of young, some of them as young as four, three, four and five, but right up to teenagers, deprived of their classes and their you know their pursuits at this time because of level three limitations not level five level three limitations i get to aaron and i'll get to lucy next 1850 715996 the takeover on cork's 96 fm weeknights from seven on the big drive home we give you the chance to take charge of our tunes join me lorraine as you decide what songs we fire up What we play. See our song list on 96FM Insta Story. This is Cork's Gold Imro Award winning talk show. The Opinion Line with PJ Coogan. Call us now, 1850 715 996. On Cork's 96FM. Well, we've phone lines buzzing with people who agree. And on Twitter, Anne says, God, would that woman just suck it up. In the great scheme of things, dancing is only a pastime. This is the second day we had to listen to this. Erin, what would you say to that response? Good morning. Morning, PJ. How are you? Good. Well, PJ, I'm like you. I know the people. Some of these rules are just 
you'd be just flabbergasted by them. Like, I, I live in Ahada, and we have a great fitness community down here. Yeah. So we can't even do an outdoor class with 15 people. But all guidelines followed. But yes, and I'm, I'm glad sport is back. Don't get me wrong, because I am a big sports fan. But it's not as if we're doing scrums and celebrating when we finish a class. Do you know, we're out in the fresh air. It's great. But they you can't know. even do an outdoor class at the moment. No, no, you can't. Oh. Yeah. 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 And like you're out in the fresh air. So I can't see why, why outdoor classes mm. are I even cancelled. They might argue, Neffet and, and those other people might argue, well, this is to stop you coming together, it's to stop you when you're supposed to be staying at home it's to stop you leaving the house it's to stop you coming together in groups it's to keep you home, keep you safe, keep you from mixing Yeah but it's like it's in our community so we're not even leaving the community to go to the class Yeah And trust me, after one of our trainers classes the last thing you want to be doing is talking you can barely walk back home you're so bait from the class <laughs> And that's, that's the honest truth. Yeah. You know, like, if the gas can go ahead and the Premier League, yeah. you know, they're jumping on top of each other when they score goals. Yeah. Yeah, now all We're the kids' training is off in the gas at the moment, isn't it? Yeah. 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 It's just but, the you know, elites. Like it's just, the, scene, just yeah. the senior teams are playing and training and all that. But I get, I get your point. We were able to have Cork and Kerry playing that great match uh, yes. at, the, at the weekend and we have the rugby coming up this weekend yeah. and, and soccer and all of that. But yet... The kids can't go out and They can't, exercise. and I think it's just so unfair. Uh, but you know, I think it's so unfair on everyone. Like, every age group is actually affected by by this. Yeah. All right, Erin, leave it there. Thanks very much. Erin reckons that ballet, fitness, and other things like that should be going ahead. It does seem a bit over the top that you can't have an open-air class. You'd want wetsuits and a snorkel this morning for an open-air class. But you know what I mean? You can't have an open air class. The theory being that you just stay at home and don't go out for the sake of the six weeks. You just give all this stuff up. Lucy French has her own school dancing in Kinsale. Hi, Lucy. Hi, how are You're, you? I'm good. How many pupils would you have, for example? I have over 300 pupils in Kinsale. And you can do nothing since when? Um, well, exactly the same as Sinead. I'm actually on the IBTA committee with Sinead. Uh, so we've been campaigning since the first lockdown um, to get us recognised, really recognised as education. And if I may, I would just like to go back to the Twitter comment that you had just then and say dance is much more than a pastime for lots and lots of people and thousands of children in this country. And it really depends on what you want to do with your life. So for someone who wants to dance professionally and wants to go away to third level education, dance is not a pastime for them. And they are missing out on essential training that they will need to be able to do what they want to do for a living. So therefore, no, it's not a pastime. Now, look, I I would put it to you, Kevin has tweeted and others are tweeting Lucy we're having this conversation I had a conversation with you as well with Aaron and with you and, and in the context of yesterday the largest number of deaths announced in months mm-hmm. it's it's there's a perspective question there is here. a perspective but we also have to live our lives you know we're not being we're not dangerous as Sinead has said, and I was exactly the same, we were open with the strictest of protocols. 
Um, and to me, it's exactly the same as letting the children be in school. You know, in fact, we're safer than the schools and we are keeping them two metres apart. They, I was taking their temperatures on the way in. We were sanitising. We were a one-way system. We were not allowing parents in. I don't think we can close down all of the extracurricular activities that the children need. And as I say again, they may want to pursue as a career. I know that this disease is very, very serious and we're all doing our part, but we are not contributing to it in the same way that the government doesn't think sport is contributing to it because they're allowing sports to go ahead at level three. We should be allowed to go ahead at level three. Okay. Lucy, thank you very much. That's Lucy French, who has 300 and more pupils in Kinsale. So that's just two schools we've talked to, and they would describe themselves as two of the smaller schools. So that's nearly 700 children, 300 plus in each. That's nearly 700 children affected by this. And yes, it's true, people. Deaths were announced yesterday. That's terrible. It's dreadful. It's awful. But the point they're making, and it's hard not to see it, and you know me, I've said since day one, I've said rules is rules and we need to follow them. And I still agree with that. But sometimes rules is rules and you need to reread them and wonder are they fair. Like, the schools are open. There's 20 kids in a class, 18 kids, anything from 18 to 30 kids in a class in school. Because Michal Martin was so determined to keep the schools open. Here's another branch of education. They're just learning something different in tiny classes, in sanitised surroundings. What is different between... Go- and I ask, in the- if anyone wants to take me on on this, I'll be quite happy to discuss it with you. I'm asking a straightforward question here. What is the difference between 24 six-year-olds in their pods learning their reading, their writing and their spellings? What is the difference between that and 12 six-year-olds learning to dance, learning to breathe, learning to flex, learning to exercise in a safe situation. What is the difference? Why is one class so essential and the other as something dangerous to be shut down and avoided? I'm asking because I don't know. Ninety-six FM's ten K toy giveaway is coming. Get ready for fun and play because we're giving away loads of 500 euro toy shopping spree for free. For free. Listen to Casey and Ross in the morning and all day long. Then text your WhatsApp in for your chance to win. On 083 396 96 96. Cork's 96 FM's 10K Toy Giveaway starts Monday from 6 a.m. With Johnson and Parrot, Douglas Bishopstown and Matten Point. Put 2020 behind you and drive into 2021. Always open at jpmg.ie. Only on Cork's 96 FM. This is Cork's Gold Imro Award winning talk show. The Opinion Line with PJ Coogan. Text or WhatsApp now. 083 396 On Cork's 96FM. A bit of confusion over what is allowed in the GAA at the moment. Uh, are youngsters allowed to train? We had a couple of texts to say that they were. School-going children can take part in non-contact outdoor training in pods, says Councillor Mick Nugent. 
Another caller thinks all sports should shut down, even if not obliged to, or at worst, train in school squads only because they're together anyway. Look, the best people to ask are people who have children who do GAA. Primary school and secondary school, primary school in particular, kids who do GAA training on a Saturday morning. Is that on or off at the moment? We took a call, Fergal took a call from a, a woman who, who said that there is a bit of a confusion about it. So the rule stated by the GAA currently is that training at minor level and below only will be permitted for clubs in all 32 counties, but not at intercounty. However, it must be on a non-contact basis in pods of no more than 15 people. Dressing rooms can't be used and the health questionnaire must be filled out by all those participating. Attendance by parents' guardians should be on the basis of one per child and the health questionnaire must be filled out by all those coming into the ground. So that seems to suggest that they are allowed to train at the moment under very strict regulation. Sheila says Michal is trying to look after the GAA. These people are very frustrated and I get it, says this message, but in the grand scheme of things, it's only for a few more weeks. There's also no training in the GAA at the moment. I wouldn't know about that. Head to Tremor Valley Park any afternoon. You'll see group training going on. Well, that's allowed, according to the rules. Group training under very strict conditions is allowed. Ballet should be opened, but our government doesn't have the common sense and the laws are outdated, says another comment. Kate asks, why can't kids be allowed to do their exercise and their dancing and their ballet, childhood obesity being such a major issue? On WhatsApp, my daughter is in the dance class. She has IBS. She needs those classes. Obesity is affecting huge numbers of kids and dance classes are just as important as the gyms. Dance class is gym for the kids. Mental and physical well-being and all of that. 1850-715-996. Although Michael tweets at Opinion Line 96. And again, you've got to see his point. This is such a difficult discussion to have. You have to see everybody's point here. No one's, no one, there's no nonsensical stuff going on here. Everyone's got a point. Michael says, it's hard to believe we actually are in lockdown. Practically every industry thinks theirs is safe and should be allowed to open. And maybe they should. But that would then be every hairdresser, beauty salon, cafe, restaurant, shop, bar, dance, dance and gym back open again. Mind you, I said it the last few days, this doesn't actually feel like, even though we're staying at home and there's nowhere to go at night and all that, it doesn't feel like a lockdown. Like looking down into Patrick Street now, okay, it's a dirty, filthy, wet November morning, but there's a few cars around. And I was saying on Friday, what myself and the missus were caught in very on various essential journeys that we had to undertake and they were just completely completely rammed yeah I'll take another one Terry if you got them there uh, because there is a response to this uh, the number of kids taking part in dance and ballet and I remember when my own daughter was dancing with the late uh, the late Donna Daly remember Donna Daly yeah uh, we hadn't a Saturday morning in school for years we hadn't a Saturday morning in school for years. Or in, in, sorry, in bed for years because we were up taking the dance class. 
And this time of the year, she'd be dancing in panto and she'd be dancing in Christmas shows. And you'd be coming into town at four o'clock into pre-Christmas traffic and you'd be cursing and swearing at the very idea of going to a class. But the benefits to them was just phenomenal. And the numbers of kids involved, it would take your breath away. Absolutely take your breath away. Let that go to me whenever you want it, and I'll, I'll, I'll take it. Uh, Kim Summers has got on for uh, from the Kin from the Kim Summers Dance School, and has spent a lot of ex- a lot of money to try to prepare for the circumstances in which we find ourselves, and to be very compliant. And yet, you're you've been closed for weeks, Kim. Good morning. Good morning. Hi. Yes, it's actually the Ultraflex Academy of Dance, and we're based in Cork and Galway. So over the you know over the two counties, we have. We would have had up on six, seven hundred students in our classes. As well as that, I do teacher training and certification. So I, I actually have people who are getting ready to open a business in dance as well. So for me, I suppose the, the big setback was, yes, I closed in March. Totally understand and get it. Um, we don't usually run during the summertime. So for me to reopen my business in July was it was just not feasible to get kids in at that point. They had, they had finished. So starting back in September, the costs that I have incurred as a business to open up, to train people, to be able to put the time, the hours behind it, the, the equipment, everything, it's gone up past three grand. I, I calculated it all the other day and I was just sitting there going, I'm not going to get the opportunity to A, get that money back to try and open my business again. Can you not benefit people. from the various supports out there from the government? Is there, the various supports are very, very hard to get. The only one that I have um, been applying for at the moment is a thousand euro. Um, if you can provide evidence that you have already paid this, these fees and these things, that they, you could get it. Now, it's not that I will get it. I have applied for it. I don't know if I'll be eligible for it. But in saying that, even coming up with the money to actually reopen. And it was my third attempt because we opened, we had to close. We opened, we had to close. Now I'm going to do it again for whenever this, you know, the date is going to actually come mm. about that we open. I can't even plan. A lot of my students, I would say... Well, it could well, be the new year if we're still in level three after after level five, you know? Yeah, absolutely. But you see, I suppose the other thing is that, you know, we dance and we dance per term. So a lot of our students would have paid up per term. So these students are old classes as well. These students are, you know, so when we go back, we potentially will be working for the next three months to try and recoup anything before we can even, you know, run a business as the business should be run again. So it's going to take a long time for us to actually get back on our feet, to open our business, to make it uh, back to anywhere where it was. But doing that, it's a completely different set of circumstances. We've had to hire extra staff, um, COVID officers. We've had to, you know, like that, reduce the times, reduce the numbers. So we're looking at a completely different business model going forward, but we have no indication as to when or how or what we need to do because we have no guidance with that going forward, you know? And it's just so frustrating when you can see other businesses open up around you in your very town. I have families in particular who are really, really stressed because one child is doing gymnastics and the other child comes to me. And, you know, during level three, she was able to attend her gymnastics class the other girl who was coming to me actually is in the waiting list uh, for the HSC which with mental health issues. And her mental health issues have really deteriorated since not being able to come to her class. And her mother is down the phone to me really, really upset. And so am I, because I have seen that child from the age of four. 
and she's now 16. So what you might, some people might forget is that these people, they are students, but we have seen them for the best part of their lives every week. It's not just fifth class, sixth class. It's their entire life. I know everything about them and their families, and I'm not getting the opportunity. Kim, what about the argument that is being made? And again, I'm struggling with this because ever since the start of the pandemic, I have always said, you know, if we need to lock down, we need to lock down. This is the science and we must follow the science. And I've I've done that from day one. But what I see here now is an argument happening. You make a very cogent argument for yourself. So does Lucy. So does uh, Sandra, who I had on earlier on. They all make, you all make a very cogent argument argument, many of them in fact, and yet you have John making a point who says look, PJ you can't be changing your mind now because you want a few dance classes you're either for lockdown or you're not lockdown is lockdown Absolutely, and I am for lockdown when lockdown is lockdown, but lockdown is in lockdown when I have venues close to each other and one is running a gymnastics class, one is running a a dance class, how can you discriminate between one thing and the other? It, it, It comes down to that in my eyes that why is it more dangerous to attend my class and the same child can go to her gymnastics, she can go to her sport, she can go to something else, but you know, someone else in the family can't attend me. Why am I singled out? No yeah. one has given me that answer. Why are you singling me out? I'm in a, in a lot of small towns I, I teach in and within these small towns, I am a big part of that community. Morris is making a point here, uh, Kim, or by, by, that... My wife, he says, uses Zoom for her Pilates. One of our best friends is a dance teacher in Austria. They're using Zoom for teaching. Can we not adapt in these challenging times? I get that, and I'm running Zoom, actually, and I have set up an online academy that people can go in and access. But for me, the Zoom, yes, it works for some kids, but it doesn't work for others. Certain age groups, like the younger children, it's very hard to keep them engaged. You know, the parents have to be involved in an awful lot of what's going on. The other side of it is... Not everybody has Zoom. Our internet connection is so poor. I have some students who are like, they're literally on one minute, they're gone the next minute. You know, we're we're not being able to reach everybody at that point. I certainly appreciate that Zoom is suitable for some people and I'm delighted to be able to support some kids in that area. But I have a whole pile. For example, I have, put it there, there's 300 kids there that's on register right now. I have 45 on Zoom. Yeah. You know, so like, uh, you know, I know there's an option for parents. Go on Zoom. Not everybody has the devices. Parents are working from devices right now. You know, they can't give it to their kids. Yeah. Even if they wanted to. You know, that's not like I've had people cry on the phone to me. We'd love to do, but we don't have the equipment, the device to actually give it to her for that hour. Yeah. Yeah. You know, so it's, it's, there's, there's a whole lot against us. And I just feel, even aside from all of that, it's the equality. It is what is going on when it comes to, uh, you know, I have my own kids in gymnastics. And my suspicions are at the moment, and some people might shoot me down right now, but my children pay a fee to Sports Ireland every year. Whereas in the dance sector, it's a private sector you know, yes, we don't have a governing body at the moment. This is another argument that's happening. But all of us are highly trained and qualified and have done an awful lot of exams to be where we are at the moment and put all of these things in place and we're not taken seriously. Is there something behind it that we're not paying something to somebody? We pay our taxes, we pay everything else. But yeah. is it, it seems to be Sports Ireland and Gymnastics Ireland have a, a heads up on everything. And is that down to the fact that they are getting something from it? That we aren't. I don't know, but this is this is the suspicion that is coming from me because we have 
gone down this road. We've asked people. We've knocked at doors. We're doing a new campaign called What About Us, which we're hearing the children's voices. And the letters that are coming into me from my students are heartbreaking. I can't even read them. Yeah. As to how frustrated and how upset they are and they feel that they're not being listened to. And at that age, if they can feel like their voice isn't enough and that they can't be heard, I just think it's, it's crying shame in this country that we cannot come together and listen and be treated equally as everybody else, or at least been told why. Kim, thank you for that. I'll leave it there. That's Kim Summers from Ultraflex. It's a dance school in both Cork and Galway. They have 700 pupils. So in the space of three calls, Terry, I'll keep this going actually for a little while if anybody else wants to, to talk about it because we can we can take that, that other item uh, after 10. It's flexible for us. If you've got more people who want to talk because this is one of those stories that I think it's only when you start talking about it you realise how many people are personally invested in it. We've had Sinead with 300 plus. We had Lucy with 300 plus. Now we have Kim with 700 plus between Cork and Galway. So alone in three calls, we've covered the needs of over 1,300 children. And that's 1,300 families in a massive industry. An industry that feels it's being hard done by. And yes, lockdown is lockdown. Carla says, do you realise 16 people died yesterday and here's people talking about dancing. Some people don't understand the meaning of a fatal disease or pandemic. And that's a very valid point. It's a very valid point. And people during the year gave up weddings. They gave up communions. They gave up confirmations. They gave up holidays. They gave up now dance classes. And all the time, everyone said, well, people are dying. Put it into perspective. But you know what? If it's what affects you, it's what affects you. There's an old thing called the sore finger argument. You know, you've broken your leg, and I appreciate that, but my finger's bloody sore. And everybody's everybody's affected by this in different ways. And, and the most kind thing we can do is understand that. Like, I couldn't give a tuppenny course about dancing or gyms because I've got very little to do with either of them. But I understand the thousands of people, particularly parents and children, who want to be part of it. I can't imagine, for example, if we were to wheel the clock back 10 years to when my daughter was knee-deep in this stuff, going in for a Christmas pantomime and dance classes and all of this. She loved it passionately. I can't imagine what we'd be dealing with now if we had a 13-year-old who just couldn't go out, go to all these things. It would be so, so hard. So I, I get it. And again, look, this is dividing people. And I feel very conflicted and divided by it because I've been an advocate since day one of tightening and tightening and tightening because I can see the benefit of it and I, I understand the science of it. And I listen to Jerry Killeen and I listen to Moss Ryan and I listen to Anthony Staines and I listen to many, many more besides, to Catherine Motherway, to, to, to all the F experts. And I understand the science of, of buckling down hard. But then you have to look at the other side. Kevin says it's not even about lockdown being lockdown. This isn't really lockdown. The problem is level three tries to be all things to all people. And in winter, when we're all inside at night, the virus spreads faster. We know this. I bet if you focused on the hospitality sector, they'd make the same arguments about safety. This is and should be about hospital bed numbers. There's 40 in ICU with COVID. That's after two weeks 
of Level 5. I have no doubt these classes are providing a great service. But can you tell me that those three people who are in contact with 1,000 kids can remain safe? It's not fair, but it will be over soon. What's glaring is they're not being supported by the government at all. 1850-715-996. And Sarah says one of my daughters goes to Sinead's dance school. Oh, I'll, I'll run to, to Nia very quickly if I can take her there. Yeah, she makes a point. There's a whole section of dancing that we're not even thinking about. Uh, Nia, for release time one, I'll take her there. But one of Sarah's daughters goes to Sinead's school. All my other kids go to various other dance schools. One of them six times a week. It's having a devastating effect on our children. Uh, and we can't just suck it up, like that woman said. I spend every penny I have to keep my kids in their activities because in the long term, I don't want them hanging around the streets. Neve Marie Murphy is with the Attridge Academy of Irish Dance. Are you guys shut down as well, Neve? Good morning. We are indeed, PJ. How are you doing? Thanks for airing this. Let me say that first of all, because I feel the last two months we've been completely in the dark. But yeah, uh, shut down, uh, finished on our busiest time of the whole year, Patrick's week. Um, we stopped then. Um, obviously, I owed classes back to the students and I made those up during the summer months as best I could. Uh, then none of my venues were available due to uh, being connected to primary schools and various insurance problems and things like that. So I went away and got all new venues uh, to start off in September and I managed one week of classes um, and then shut down again. And we just don't know. Uh, are we going back to level three? Are we going back to level two? Don't know. And I, I'm just heartbroken for all the students involved at the moment. About how many? Back, I know yours is a huge school. How many would you have? Yeah. Uh, about 400. And that's that's in the private classes. Uh, but then the other angle is I teach within the school curriculum as well. So straight away, all those primary schools, you know, your, your child is going to primary school. They do a little bit of Irish dancing throughout their time in school. So that's my job as well. I teach in the primary schools. So I'm hit from all of there as well. And are they so like gone too? Whole, yeah, oh, absolutely. Absolutely. I haven't been inside in a school. Um, they've all, like, there is absolutely nothing uh, outside coming into the schools. That's the way it was put. Yes. And I understand. I'm, I appreciate all of that. But I think on the overall picture, while it's going on, our culture is actually going to be lost. And <laughs> that's why I'm getting kind of upset about it. We have. Um, we have our senior dance group. Uh, we were supposed to travel to Turkey uh, representing Ireland uh, last July. That was cancelled. We have done some virtual festivals, which is lovely. But it's the, the week-to-week, day-to-day training that's hit most. And even when we do get back into it, you know, it's going to take a long time to get back up to the standards that we have yeah. and that we have and to go travelling again and everything like that. And again... I suppose those are, I, those, are, those are really smaller problems or are they compared to the fact there's no classes at the moment like we will all get back to travelling and moving around eventually we will please God Uh, I just hope it won't impact us so much that it'll all fall away by the wayside you know that kind of way but no my main thing is I have absolutely no bother with being shut down I completely understand Uh, but let it be fair and it's not fair from where I'm standing at the moment and I completely agree with all those dancing teachers that were on before me Okay. Um, it's it's like one rule for one side of whatever. Yeah, and that, and and and, 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 and and one I guess for the other, and people feeling aggrieved in the middle of it. I'm going to leave it there, Neve. Thank you so much for that. It's one which there's no there's no good answers. The opinion line with PJ Coogan on Courts 96 FM.
And the winning starts next Monday with the 10k giveaway, the toy giveaway. Loads and loads of 500 euro toy vouchers to give away. More details before the end of the program today. 1850-715-996 is the number. Text or WhatsApp 083-396-9696. Email opinion at 96fm.ie. Twitter is at opinion 96 It's busy there this morning. Hashtag OL96. And of course, the Cork's 96FM Facebook page. You can message us there, but please mark your messages for the attention of the opinion line. Now, Sinead Murphy, who kicked off our very lively discussion on dance classes during lockdown has been on to make a very clear point. I thought she made this point very clearly when she was on the air, but a lot of people don't seem to have got it. And to be fair, looking at the messages that are coming in, you get the impression that some people want to open dance classes in level five. That is absolutely not the case. Sinead says, PJ, thank you for the opportunity to speak this morning. I must please stress, we are not asking to be allowed to teach at level five. We're asking to be allowed to teach at mid-level three with all of our restrictions in place. We completely understand the need for restrictions and are very aware of the seriousness of the virus and the impact it is having, especially on the vulnerable. Thank you again from Sinead. So I hope no one got the notion from our first hour this morning that anybody wants to start opening ballet and dance classes like now, like today, in the middle of level five. That is not the case. And if you took that from it, take it back, because it ain't true. They're looking to say, well, when we get down out of this in the first or second of December, can we get to a situation where we can open our classes under restrictions that we have spent money investing in our classes to make them safe? Can we, can we look at that, please, is what they're saying. Uh, not that they want to be able to open now. We'll probably have more on this. I have no doubt. I have no doubt. 1850-715-996. Now, we've dipped into the Swedish situation a few times in our coverage of the pandemic. Spoke in the very early days to Philip O'Connor. He's a journalist from Dublin based in Sweden. He's been on at me quite a few times over the years. He was telling me about Anders Tegnell, the epidemiologist who's kind of leading the, the government's response to COVID-19 in Sweden and, and how this guy is a superstar over there. A couple of weeks ago, I was talking to Jane. Jane's based in Sweden and she said, look, she said, please don't be so convinced by what you're being told about Sweden. It's not as great as you think. It's not the big outlier that's getting it right when the rest of us are getting it wrong. It isn't. And there's a a woman from Cork. Her name is Claudia Crowley Sorensen. She's actually from Notnahini. And Claudia, she'd been on the show with me before, she's a politician in Sweden, a local politician, something equivalent of a city or county councillor in Sweden. And we, we spoke to her when they were having elections over there. And we got in touch with her in the last couple of days to see how things were. And as we were talking to her, uh, we got the news that Sweden has now recorded in its latest batch of numbers, and they do it differently than we do it here. 15,779 new cases. And the pandemic is stretching their testing system 
to the limits, particularly in densely populated areas. And they have had repeated daily records over the last two weeks. Things are nothing like as good as how Sweden was painting it for a long time. So we'll let me catch up with Claudia. And uh, we had a little Zoom call last evening, myself and herself. Claudia, I'm reading from a piece of news copy here that says Sweden has a record new number of cases, nearly 15,800. We were told over the last few months Sweden was the model to follow, Sweden was the way to go. Few dissenting voices raised, but not many. Yours would be one of them, I think. Yeah, um... We have failed to protect our elderly and our vulnerable people. Um, I think that they are the ones that have to pay the cost uh, for the decisions that we have made. But at the same time, I have to say that no one knew what was right and no one knew what was wrong in the situation. I think that everyone really did their best. But we're in the situation we are in today because of decisions we have made. So, yeah, we're paying the cost. The people are paying the cost. Looking back on it now, there wasn't a lockdown. There was some restriction, but not a lot. Mr. Tegnell, the man in charge, said this is the science, we'll follow the science. The whole, everyone else around the world did their lockdowns. Who was right now? I still can't give you an answer to that. I know that... I have family in Ireland, in Cork City, and I know that the cost has been to them to be in lockdown, but they're alive, their family is alive. Um, We have, our economy hasn't been affected in the same way as the country that has been put in lockdown, but we have a lot of debts and the people, you can't put a cost on people's lives. So I was... I was waiting for lockdown. I think I was one of the few, maybe because I am, uh, I have an illness. I am in the risk group and I was waiting for lockdown. A lockdown never came. Uh, I was in a discussion just as late tonight in a meeting where I thought that now we have to go into virtual meetings. We have to take this seriously. And there's still people saying that, no, we, we have to keep it open. Uh, we have to make sure that everyone that wants to meet can meet and everyone that wants to have a virtual meeting can have a virtual meeting. So there's still people saying both sides, but I'm, I'd am i feel a lot more secure and a lot more safe if we just said that that's it, now we're just going in to protect the people. So pretty, pretty much every meeting we've had here at home, as you'll well know, has been virtual since the end of March. We haven't had a meeting in person other than, the say, the team that work with me here on the top floor would meet every day. And pretty much every meeting has been virtual. It hasn't been like that for you? No, no. I have had maybe three virtual meetings since it all started. And why, is, why is that? Is that people just don't want to do it? Yeah, yeah, people just don't want to do it. Um, I think that because everything is recommendations, Mm. we're being recommended to do this and recommended to do that, but no one is saying, right, this is what you need to do now. Uh, So everyone is still putting in their own 
opinion and I think people need to be told in situations of crisis this is what you're supposed to do um, now it's it's changed now so this week all my meetings are virtual uh, and uh, I'm working from home mm. because I can work from home uh, so all my meetings this week now is going to be virtual but looking forward I think that we should be doing this we shouldn't be planning in any meetings yeah because something we were told and I have a, a friend who uh, teaches in a university in Gothenburg who said to me that thousands and thousands of people work from home anyway in Sweden it's just the Swedish way so yeah. it, it, it was not that difficult for people to do no it's just people have to be willing to change their routines like we're a very developed country it's not hard to work digitally from home um and a lot of people have been doing that we have been good at that but i think the other things like people have been going to the pictures people have been going out to the clubs like we don't have the pubs we don't have that <laughs> that culture over here but people have been going to house parties people have been seeing each other and they haven't taken the virus seriously really hmm. uh, and I can say that I'm one of them myself like I've I've also made choices that I now can regret but something that I haven't done that I have heard that the Irish politicians have done is that they have gone out and asked the people to follow the recommendations and then they haven't done it themselves. The golf gate you're talking about. I mean, I just had a discussion with my cousin tonight where I was saying that I've asked, I've gone out publicly now and asked the people of my county to follow the recommendations because we got recommendations just a couple of days ago. Follow the recommendations. Now, I as a politician have asked the people to do that. I am one of the people. That goes for me as well. If I ask you... Don't see anyone outside your household. I'm not absolutely not supposed to see anyone outside of my household. Yeah, yeah. That's just wrong. I mean, that. I hope people remember that when they're putting their votes down the next time. Because when we ask people to vote for us, we're asking to be your voice. Don't tell me to do something unless you're going to do it yourself. If you're asking people, you're asking it of yourself. You are one of the people. Claudia, will you get home this Christmas, do you think? No? No. I didn't mean to upset you, sorry. No, you're all right, but... I know that if something was to happen to me, my uncle will be on the first flight out and he wouldn't be able to come. And... Like, that's... I think that's the worst part of this is for people that have families abroad is that there's no border that can part us you can you can take me out of court but you can never take away my family and the place I call home is always going to be Cork and right now even if it wasn't the virus like maybe I wouldn't be going home anyway but I would have the choice mm. and this was supposed to be the first Christmas that the children were supposed to spend in Cork. And oh, no. yeah, that's the way that's the way life is. And at least all my family is doing well and is healthy and is following the guidelines and is keeping safe. 
You you said you've got a, an underlying condition yourself. Have have you had any, any scary moments in the last few months? No, thank God, I haven't. Uh, I, I'm actually I have a small little cold right now, so I'm not allowed to leave the house. But I think it's just a normal cold. Winter's coming. Mm. Uh, it's getting cold over here, and that's what happens. So I I feel fine, but I have a small cold, so I'm taking responsibility and I'm staying at home. So the Swedish weather. How is it now? What what's it like at the moment? Say. Oh, it's cold. It's too cold. <laughs> <laughs> it's dull. It's dark. It's pitch black at four o'clock in the afternoon. So if you are going to work, you're going to work when it's dark and you're coming home when it's dark. Yeah. So Look, I, I didn't mean to upset you about Christmas. Oh, and your friends. It's 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 going to be rough. And while you're there, why don't you say hello to all the people who'll be surprised to hear your voice this morning? Oh, I, hello everyone up in Knocknahini, Michelle Collins, my aunt Risha, Audrey, Gillian, Rachel Tracy, and of course my uncle Francis, Melissa, Sarah, Stephen, and Lexi. All right. Well, you look after yourself, okay? I will. You're flying the Cork flag with pride out there, and we're proud of you. Thank you. I'll be back as soon as I can. The first flight out. <laughs> and when you do, you got to pop into a studio, and we'll do this in a socially distanced way in studio, because I'd love to find out more about this, this Cork woman doing politics in Sweden and doing it like this. Why the hell you can't come home and run for election here? Don't know what party I'd run for, really. <laughs> hey, run, run for yourself. Run for the Northside party. You'd be grand. The Nakhini party. That was a good idea, actually. Lovely <laughs> to talk to you again. Take care of you yourself. Too. Thank you. Take care. Bye. Isn't she great? That's uh, Claudia Crowley Sorensen. I mean, like, talk about we get everywhere. We Cork types. We get everywhere. Uh, like, she's... A woman from Nakhnihini, and she is a county councillor in Sweden. <laughs> that poor Terry was listening to that interview this morning before we came to here, and he goes, "What? You people are everywhere." Yeah, we are. You don't have half of it yet. Eighteen fifty seven one five nine nine six. Here's a question on restrictions. Uh, a question for level five: How many can attend the graveside? When a person is being buried. I know it's a sad subject. Many thanks, Josephine. To the best of my knowledge, Josephine, because I don't have the, the, the breakdown to hand right now, but I believe that you can have 25 people at a funeral, which I assume is both in the church and at the graveside or whatever you ceremony you have. You can have up to 25 people there. When somebody's being buried. I hope that answers your question. This is the third week that Cork are playing and the only place you can see the matches on Sky. We're now left to listen to the match on the radio. GAA should have made other plans for fans in the lockdown. I think that the GAA matches on Sky are free. I think I saw that ad or I certainly saw some publicity about it. That all of the GAA matches on Sky are free at the moment. They're not on their pay-per-view channels. So if you have Sky, you'll have the matches without paying for them. Hi PJ, I went to Dunn's over the weekend to get a badly needed pair of shoes. 
and I was refused as they're in the category of non-essential items. Yet I could go downstairs to the supermarket and buy all the alcohol I want. Please tell me where's the sense in that. That's from Dave in Blackrock. 1850-715-996. Yes, there's a confirmation of that. All of Sky Sports live GAA championship games will be available on free-to-air for its customers. If But if you're not a customer, unfortunately, yeah. That's 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 that is the distinction. That is the distinction. Eighteen fifty seven one five nine nine six. The Cork Diary. Cork's ninety six FM. Helping the homeless has never been more important. The Briar Rose and Douglas are proud to be lending a hand through their reach out to another campaign. On the last Sunday of every month, in the run up to Christmas, they'll be hosting a collection point outside the Briar Rose and are asking people within five kilometres of the venue to donate sandwiches, crisps, fruit, and other snacks, as well as warm winter clothes in good condition for both men and women. The collection will be taking place between midday and four on Sunday the 29th of November. Staff members from the Briar Rose will be volunteering their time to run the collection point and hand out the donations the next day on Oliver Plunkett Street outside the GPO. For more information, search for the Briar Rose Douglas on Facebook and Instagram. If you have an event you would like mentioned, email corkdiary at 96fm.ie this is Cork's Gold Imro Award-winning talk show. The Opinion Line with PJ Coogan. Text or WhatsApp now. 0833969696. On Cork's 96 FM. Many, many calls still coming in on restrictions. And, you know, it's one rule for one and one rule for the other. And very happy to clarify, even though I think we were trying to make it clear anyway. None of the dance schools want to be open in level five. That's very clear. In fact, John Brennan tweeted to apologise to Sinead and the others. No need, John. No need. You weren't the only one to pick it up wrong. Um, But they just want to be sure that when we come down from level five, that they'll be able to open and get back to doing their work. Call her on the phone and we can utterly depend on the truth of this. And that's all I'm going to say. The Safe Pass training is still going ahead in classroom settings all over the city. Students in a class for eight hours with the full approval of the Health and Safety Authority. And that comes to us from someone who'd be in a position to know, shall we say. Listener on email. Yesterday I heard there's at least one company performing Botox on the grounds it constitutes a medical procedure. Yeah, I've heard of that, all right. That is happening. It shouldn't be, but but, but it is. I don't believe this. I'm going to wait a while to read this one. Has anybody gotten letters from schools looking for money in the middle of this? I couldn't I couldn't believe this when I got it. I could actually because the schools they've such blatant cheek some of them they'll do it. I'll read that later on. 1850-715-996. M says best of luck to our Nahini representative Claudia in Sweden. I love her Swedish accent. One size fits all seems like a good idea for clothes until you try them on. Same goes for healthcare. That's why United Healthcare offers flexible, budget friendly coverage for medical, vision, dental, and more. Learn more at uh1.com. It's that time of the year. Your vacation is coming up. You can already hear the beach waves, feel the warm breeze, relax. 
and think about work. You really, really want it all to work out while you're away. Monday.com gives you and the team that peace of mind. When all work is on one platform and everyone's in sync, things just flow. Wherever you are, tap the banner to go to Monday.com. Hey, it's Ryan Reynolds, and I'm here with Keith, co-star of my upcoming film, If, only in theaters May 17th. Do you want to tell people the big news... All right, I'll do. It. Sign up now and you'll get unlimited for $15 a month in six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan on us. Mintmobile.com slash switch. Upfront payment of $45 equivalent to $15 per month. Unlimited over 40 gigabytes per month. Face lower speeds. Videos at 480p. Active Mint customers by 531.24 get six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan. Auto renews after six months. Offer ends May 31st, 2024. Separate Paramount Plus registration required. Terms and conditions apply if rated PG. And what's sweet? I don't get much of a Swedish accent from this <laughs> Pure broad, not Nahini. Um The Swedes don't like admitting their mistakes. Good for Claudia speaking to you on the radio. That's from Mark and Councillor John Maher. Great conversation with Claudia. Continued success to her. She's a bit of a mover and shaker over there, in fairness to her. 1857-15996. They have been widening and extending footpaths all over the place. We have it down behind us here in the McCourton Street and people are saying, you know what, it's it's nice, but it's wide, but it's grand for outdoor dining, but there's always a but. Some of it looks great. What The plan for what'll be there when it's finished is lovely, but... And then it was down in Killarney when you were allowed to go there and whole areas of Killarney town have had big widening job done on the pavements which means that they've lost a load of parking spaces, including disabled parking spaces, and they're not happy about that down in Killarney. And Margaret, I think you've similar problems in Cove. Good morning. Hello, good morning, PJ. No, I'm just amazed that uh, coming up the road and going down, there was an extension of a path, and it's it's of no value what they did. I think it's extended three times. Going up the laundry, you come from the Bishop's Road. I'm very nervous now, sorry. You're okay. Come from the Bishop's Road, and you just go up the laundry hill. I thought there was no problem there at all. We were all new it. But they're extended on the corner, just across the road from the park, out about four times the length that the path was. There's no, in my estimation, there's no necessity for the extension. It might have had to be a bit wider. It's not benefiting anyone, only making a mess of the traffic. You have to go right nearly across the road now, and, like, it goes back in again then, you know, and heads right. up the hill. So, like, you're a going... Big, a big wide curb coming out. A big wide right. curb. I mean... They widen it below below that again, but that's that's okay. But this is a total waste of, I think, of an extension. You know, I mean, I don't know what it's there for. No one seems to know. I rang the council and they said, well, no, but two, two of the councils from Cove uh, agreed with it, you know. But, like, they didn't, uh, like, it, there's no use for it, like. You know what I'm saying? It could be half the size again and to be okay. But I think it's very dangerous, you know, coming up the hill from the Bishop's Road, then you head up, and then there's buses and there's, you know. And, and was it a difficult corner for a driver anyway? Was it was it a blind corner maybe? or No, it wasn't no? a blind corner. I never found it uncomfortable to go around it. We just round around it. I mean, you have to be careful, of course, but the traffic was following. You know, you wait for the traffic. The traffic would stop coming from the Bishop's Road. Then you come up around the doctor's surgery there and you just leave the traffic. We pass on or leave the perfect go, you know? Yeah. But we all knew the rules, you know what I mean? And we kind of, sometimes would, some people would go in front of you. But like, there was no... 
I think there was no problem there myself. I don't know if anyone else noticed that, but I never had any problem. And then you just wait and you, you slow down. Maybe, you maybe Margaret, you're a local and you know your way around. I'm driving home and up and down to the shops yeah. and I just think this makes a mess of the road and it's actually going to be dangerous because it's shortened the path from one side to the other. So children will make a run for it to get to the other side. <sighs> means they'd think they'd be there. When there was a distance to get to the other side, they'd wait. Do you know what I mean? I've seen mm. children dashing now and you're coming up from the Bishop Road and up from around the, the doctor's surgeries yeah. and you're kind of, you know, you put a bit of speed on uh-huh. get up the slope of the hill. You have to stop then as quick as lightning. And sorry, you said you called the council. What did they say to you? Well, the girl, it was only the girl that I couldn't talk about and she said like that she's the same problem herself going up and down, she comes that way. But she said two of the councils in Cove, I won't give the name, had agreed with the extension. But I said, I'd love to know why it was extended to that degree. I understand the next... Oh, we'll give their names, the public officials, uh, if, if they want to come on and explain. Because they I live in the town and I know the two of them and I just wouldn't like it. They can come aboard themselves and say right. they want I, to. Yeah, I know, I, I get I get. You understand I, what I'm saying, you I have do. to. Like, yeah. I know both of them. But, I mean, that's what the girl told me in the, in the council when I rang them. I asked her why was it extended and it was gone. Like, I see people will dash across now for the short distance, whereas before they'd wait. But you're just picking up speed to get up and then you have to stop then again for the traffic coming down, obviously. You have to be careful. Before you could kind of carry on, you know, and get your speed. But now there's between people will run across, the children will run across or anybody else, and then you have to stop then again, you know? Like, so it's going to be, I just think it's all wrong. Myself personally. It certainly, certainly sounds, sounds a bit mad. Listen, Margaret, thank you very much thank for your you call. Much. I don't know what you were nervous about. Yeah, all right, thank you. I was nervous. <laughs> Talk to <laughs> you soon. Thanks, thank thanks. you very much. That's great. Hey, that's Margaret and Cove, 1850 There are some crazy widening of pavements going on. And look, I suppose if you go and ask about it, though, they'll sagely present you with a, a feasibility study. And we did a benefit analysis on it, and and we got an engineer to go out and measure the footpath. No, give me engine engineers and footpaths. This reminds me of a great story from, from years ago. I remember getting a call from a fella who was watching this happen out the window. They widened a pavement down there near Connolly Hall, the one where you go down Parnell Place and you turn off there. The best landmark is the sex shop on the corner. You turn off at the sex shop, down the back of Connolly Hall. They moved the pavement. They changed the pavement and they moved the traffic lights. They didn't, however, bother to measure the width of the buses that have to go around it. And the first bus that went around it, bent the traffic lights. And that feasibility study didn't work so, out so well, did it? 1850-715-996. Access all areas on Cork's 96FM. Your guide to nightlife on side. Hi, it's Michael here with an update on Cork's entertainment. Broken Crow, in association with the Everyman in Garter Lane, presents The Snow Queen, a new audio drama for all the family running from November 23rd to Friday 18th of December. It's a new eight-part serial adaptation of The Snow Queen by Deirdre Dwyer, a fresh reimagining of Hans Christian Anderson's acclaimed children's story. You can check out everymancork.com for more details. Access all areas. While we wait for Cork's venues to open again, you can catch up on two of Triscoll's music series from the first lockdown. At Home with Triscoll features classical musicians and singer-songwriters and Piece by Piece, featuring solo performances from some of Ireland's leading jazz improvisers. Go to triscollartscentre.ie for more details. Access all areas. Feel free to let us know at Access All Areas if you have a rescheduled show coming up or any live streaming events by emailing aaa at 96fm.ie.
Access all areas. Your guide to nightlife on Side On Cork's 96FM. This is Cork's Gold Imro Award winning talk show. The Opinion Line with PJ Coogan. Call us now. 1850 715 On Cork's 96FM. Ooh. Bit of a response to Margaret's call. Not only have they made the footpaths longer, wider, but also in some places narrower. Around the Bishop Road, a car, this is a cove, a car can mount the pavement going around the corner. Surely an engineer should observe the traffic and the cars and the pedestrians and prevent bottlenecks. There's a massive path that can hold six abreast and it's dangerous. Far from improving life for pedestrians, it makes it more dangerous for them, in fact. I'm delighted a lady called in about this because too many people are given out about it locally but not bringing it to the radio or to the paper or back to the politicians. Now Kevin asks a question, having watched a segment on the television news about disability access, he's wondering is this to do with access for wheelchairs and, and other such? And if that's the case then there isn't a problem we just have to, you know, access is needed and we have a shortage of access in many, many places. Could that be the case? We don't know. Do we nice to know what county councillors or local councillors voted for this and maybe the reasons the reasons why. But it's certainly exercising a few people. Orla was on Twitter. Uh, they had a 57-seater bus turn the corner four times. So they're happy that it had to go on to the other side of the road. Crikey. Obviously, it hasn't been tested at peak times. It took me half an hour on Monday morning to do a five-minute school run. 1850-715-996 from Cove and from Gravesides in West Cork to Carrigaline and, and Jamie is there. Hi, Jamie. Hi, Susan. How are you? Good. I'm reading your post on the Carrigaline notice board and, and I've been following this one because I, I, I watched some stuff from Carrigaline. I used to live there for a lot of years. There are still no lights in the skate park. No. Yeah. And I know they're talking about this for a long time. Well, to be honest, uh, I've only started skating uh, since lockdown, really, but like I've always had an interest in it. But uh, there was a few people in the skate park, you know, young people and parents and stuff, and like we were like, oh, I was just talking about that. It'd be great if it got lights, you know. And then there was lads previously that said that they've been on to people about it and stuff, you know. And kind of like I work kind of within the community myself. I work a lot with young people and stuff, and like a lot of people know me, you know. So it was kind of a thing where. I was like, you know, I'll just give it a shot. I'll just eat. I'll just uh, give some of the TVs, like Ben Dalton or Sullivan and a few of the other lads a text and see what they can do about it, you know. And to my surprise, Ben got back on to me and um, he brought it up in one of the meetings and, you know, it kindly got declined because of uh, health and safety and cost and stuff like that, which doesn't make sense, you know, because there's money allocated for it, but they just couldn't do anything about it. The health and safety element of it, sure, lights would only make it safer, you would think. Oh, like, I'm telling you right now, like, I've met people in the skate park, like, that I've probably called lifelong friends and stuff now, you know. But in reality, we've, like, like, during the summer now, I probably, because, like, that skate park saved me during the summer, you know, because, like, going through. Both the depression and stuff like that. Yeah. I grabbed my skateboard, got up to the skate park, and 
I'd spend 10 hours down there, not a bother, you know? Yeah. And then you meet people down there that you don't expect to become your friends and stuff like that, you know? But, like, I've been down there until 12 or 1 o'clock in the morning, pitch dark, and, like, obviously it's going to be dangerous because you can't see where you're going, you know? Yeah. Are you supposed to be there that late, Jamie? No, but for my own mental health and yeah. kind of, like, like see, like, when it gets dark, you don't really skate in that sense, so you want to Just kind of chill out. Just sit there, yeah, chill there. out and hang around. And does anybody come to lock it up? No, because, see, it's an open space, you see, so, like, in in the in the the community complex or where oh, I know I know very well where it is I, I know yeah. exactly where it is and, so, like, and I've often looked at it you know? looked at it when I was passing and said that's really busy and it's it's mm. great to have the local facility I remember when it was just mm. a field there but there's no gates there's no it doesn't lock at all no 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 so like the only gate that there is is the entrance to it and then that's it like it's just an open space but to be honest if they put gates around this and locked it up and stuff like that like, it wouldn't really make that much sense, you know, because people are still going to find a way to get inside it, yeah. you know. Um, but, like, in 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 reality, when Ben got back onto me, like, you know, he said that there was a lot of positiveness around and stuff like that, but the one thing that they maintained and the one thing that I got annoyed about was the fact that they said, you know, it'll cause a lot of... Um, you know, young people to hang around there at night. Antisocial behaviour. Antisocial behaviour and stuff like that. And to be honest, like, as I said in my post and I said in previous posts, like, from a young fellow who grew up in Carrigline, that skate park, like, it's only been there the last two years, like, but, like, it has saved a lot of young people from doing things that, you know, that they'd be peer pressured into doing, either drinking or taking drugs or, like, antisocial behaviour or anything. But in reality, if you put lights there, regardless, like, the same thing is going to happen. Light isn't going to make a difference. Like, there was a woman that comes underneath it, and to be honest, like, she was saying about the courts, the courts and uh, getting lights in and stuff like that. But, and I said it to her, like, would you rather them chill out playing soccer or basketball or hang around the village causing trouble? You know? Yeah. And yeah. that's that's the whole point of it. Like, I'd rather, because, like, for someone who, who got in trouble as, as a young fella and who was involved in that type of stuff, like, if I had that type of stuff growing up, like, who knows what could have happened? Yeah. Like. Yeah, yeah. Because there, there was, I remember taking a few calls about it earlier in the year, there was a bit of trouble starting down there with a gang who used to come over from Balancholic on the bus. Has yeah, that no, been sorted? Like, to be honest, that wasn't nothing to do with the skate park. Because I found, like, to be honest, in highlight, it's not funny what happened. But I found it funny in for people to highlight that it's trouble being caused down there because the trouble got brought there. It wasn't that it started there. Do you know what I mean? I do, yeah. And the young people that were that got that got into trouble and stuff like that, like they don't use the skate park. That's the thing. Like they came, like I. They I came to make there. trouble. Yeah. Yeah. Like I was, I was actually there before it happened. And in reality, the young people that use the skate park, like you can ask any single parent that's actually there that uses the f- facility. Like, on, on 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 a normal day during the summer when COVID was at its lowest, like, I'd see probably between 100 and 150 parents and young people come in and out of the skate park through the whole day, you know? Yeah. And, like, 99.9% of the time, trouble is never caused. Never. Yeah. And even even at night, when I was there with a few lads and some of the girls and stuff, like, there was never no trouble caused. Never. Like, there was no fighting, there was no nothing. 
But then on top of that, like myself as a person, like I'm in college doing new work, like and kind of like when I'm down the skate park, I tend to, I think it's just natural, I tend to kind of like try to take care of everyone and stuff like that and kind of... Yeah, there's a little video on Facebook of you with a, with that, a young lad yeah. on a scooter, yeah. <laughs> yeah, no, uh, I actually know his parents and uh, he, um, I like, but see, that happens all the time. It's kind of like, you know, the way that I look at it, like if you're nice to people, people tend to be nice back to you. Good point. And that's the percentage of the time. Because, like, in reality, what you give out is what you give back, like, you yeah. know? And, like, you know, that little fella, he's only a percentage of the young fella. And it's, and it's not just me that's happened to, like, there's a lot of other older people down there that, that you know, cause a positive atmosphere. And it's the whole, it's the, it's the atmosphere itself. So, like, for instance, like, if, like, me, you know, I've only been skateboarding, like, the last couple of months or whatever, but I'm good for the last couple of months in my own head. Yeah. But then if you have a young person coming down who literally has never been on a skateboard and like like for instance there like there's one of my friends that was down there yesterday, like I've only kind of been friendly with her the last couple of weeks. And like she she was basically the skateboarding land and like I kinda of showed her how to get up a hill without kinda of like hopping off the skateboard and walking up the hill. So like when she did that, I, I gave her a little fist bump and she was really happy. And like that's the type of stuff you see. It's more positiveness. Yeah. And it's kinda of like yeah. when somebody does something that they never did before, yeah. Like you create that positiveness. What what, what what age are you? Me, I'm twenty seven. You're a rocker sense, do you know that? Well, to be honest, I've I've a lifetime of Ah, you uh, probably messed up a bit, but you yeah. you know, didn't we all you're a rocker sense now. Thank you. Thank you. You're a rocker sense. And you make a strong point about that skate park because, as I say, I know it well and I used to drive past it in the summer on my way down to the beach of an evening and mm. there would be big crowds in there just having fun, very little trouble. Very well, little see, trouble. That's it, like, and I think... There was trouble, but very little. Yeah, like, you know, like, for me, like, when I was growing up, like, my brother was kind of my idol, right? And, like, he kind of, he was very, very good at skateboarding. Like, so it was kind of like, I always used to rob his skateboard and I didn't skateboard, like, properly. I just used to go as fast as I can. But I always wanted to do it because he was doing it. So yeah. then when I got older, I got the chance and I bought my skateboard and stuff like that. But then, it, like, for me, it, like, when you drive past that skateboard, like, I've seen hundreds of people getting clips, you know, getting videos, recording stuff. You know, you see the happiness, you see the joy, you see everything, you know what I mean? Yeah. And, like, years and years ago, like, there was always a taboo type of thing with skateboarding, with BMXing, with all that type of stuff. There was, you know? you're right. You know, and, like, and to be honest, like, I'm going to say straight out, like, if you look at the majority of the young people that use that skate park, right, like, for me, Cargline is classed as a privileged town, where in the sense of, like, you have a lot of people in Cargline who own their own homes, who work, you know, good jobs, whatnot, right? So, like, the young people that are using that, they primarily have two parents who are working full-time, they might have one parent who's working full-time. Do you know what I mean? In that, in that kind of sense. So, like, when you look at that, like, the positive atmosphere down there, it doesn't matter where you come from in the sense of your household, your income, you know, what your mother or father works at, what cars you have. It's literally you, the skateboard, the BMX or the scooter. Everybody's equal on a couple Every, of wheels. Right. And that's, like, and, I, and I'm telling you right now, like, the life that I lived compared to the life that I have now, and the friends that I've met, you wouldn't put two and two together. Do you know what I mean? Yeah. Jamie, it's been great to talk to you and, and keep up the advocacy for, for the young people because uh, you're doing a great job down there. And it would be uh, Mags agrees with you. Thanks, Jamie. Mags agrees with you regarding the, the, the park. 
I remember, she said, when it was a pitch and put course. So do I, Mags. The skate park is a fabulous amenity, always busy with people of all ages. Lights would be a great idea, especially now with it being dark at five o'clock. Fair point. 1850715996. From Carrigaline back to Cove, this is like a geographical run around the county this morning. I'm looking at a gorgeous photograph. It's on Cork Bio, uh, taken by a guy called Aaron Woods of a beautiful, beautiful, old-fashioned sailing ship called the Tres Hombres. And it is arriving on Lee Said. And it's arriving carrying... Seriously? Beer? Seamus McMahon, good morning. Hello, how are you doing, Peter? What is this about? This is wonderful. What's the story here? Yeah, so um, we, we're, it's a second, a second run now uh, trying to uh, send beer uh, through to France and we're trying to do it carbon neutral. So um, we've teamed up with a company called N2 Commerce um, with a guy called Adrian Hamilton who is, is local from the area from Carrick Macross and he is, um, he, he's quite uh, green in his roots. Um, so he's he's taken our beer uh, into France, into Le Mans, and into uh, La Rochelle, um, and we're trying to do it sort of as I said um, by by way of power and trying to distribute it down in France, um, um, sort of uh, by Rockshaw and that type of thing. So it's an experiment that we've we've, we've uh, so Cove is the pickup point. Pickup point. So yeah. So um, the pickup um, it's leave, it's left the Brehan Brew House here in Monaghan uh, yesterday. Um, it'll be lorried down um, to. To Cove and it'll be on unloaded and handballed onto the rigger um, tomorrow morning at ten o'clock in Cove. And then she heads for France. She heads to France. So this this boat would have uh, would have started off its journey in um, in Holland and and picked up goods uh, on its way from Holland into into uh, Devon and back across now to, to to Cove and then back down to France. So they've, they've, it's it's a it's an it's an experiment that's gaining I suppose gaining gaining power. Yeah. Um, it's 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 been happening now. I suppose this boat has been been travelling across the seas now this 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 few years, you know. Because yeah, it's a, it's a gorgeous craft. The Beautiful photographs boat. are magnificent. Beautiful boat, yeah. And yeah. completely powered by sail. It doesn't even have it because I know some of the well, some of the modern tall ships have a little engine in them just in case they they need to. But she's completely sail powered. I would think so. Yeah, I don't know much about the the, uh, the boat itself, but just just uh, we're supplying the beer and and and. and and piggybacking on it, you know. Fabulous. It usually carries a max of about 40 tonnes of That's goods. Right. Yeah. 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 Wow. So it's wow. Just You've eight just pallets it. of the beer. What beer is it? So it's Brehan, Brehan Brew House up here in County Monaghan. So we're a small wee uh, microbrewery. Um, we've established ourselves in 2014. Uh, we're basically based on a dairy farm. So I suppose the origins of, of what we're trying to do is, is um, you know, being, being origin green and, and being green to our principles. So in the dairy part of the, of the business, um, you know, um, all, all the all the, all the uh, cows are fed the grains from the, from the brewery, and um, the washings from the from the dairy and the brewery are mixed and spread on on the fields to to produce the grass, and uh, water is harvested from the roofs of, of the sheds for wash down and that type of thing. So we're trying to be as green as possible, I suppose, in in a in an industry that's not famed for being green, but um, I think most dairy farmers would concur with what I'm saying, you know? Yeah, yeah no, it's it's a great idea, and I'm and, and glad to catch up with you, and good luck with with the business, and good luck with the transport on, on, on the high seas by sail the old way. That's Seamus McMahon from the Brehan Brewhouse in Monaghan, sending beer to France under sail power from Cork on board the Tres Hombres, which is a 
gorgeous vessel. I think it leaves Cork. Is it tomorrow it leaves? And there are pictures in the paper, both papers, the Echo and the Examiner today. It reminds me, it brings me back to 1990 or 1991. The tall ships when we had 50 of those beauties in the city. Do you remember then? Do you remember then? It was great. It's this beautiful thing. And carrying a fine beer to France. The Opinion Line with PJ Coogan on Courts 96 FM. Yeah, the 10K toy giveaway gives away, comes your way next week. Get ready for fun and play. We're giving away loads of 500 euro toy shopping sprees. All for free. It's a biggie for the smallies. Listen to Casey and Ross in the morning and all day long, starting Monday, November 16th, for your chance to text or WhatsApp in to win. More details as we get closer to the day. 500 euro toy shopping sprees like what could be better in the run-up to Christmas it's Cork's 96M's 10k toy giveaway with Johnston Perrett Douglas Miss Bishopstown and Mahon Point putting 2020 behind you and driving into 2021 always open online jpmg.ie listen and win from next Monday morning only on Cork's 96FM 1850-715-996 uh, te- is the number the text or WhatsApp 083-396-9696 email opinion at 96FM.ie Tall says uh, Tall Ships Richard says uh, 1991 was the year for the Tall Ships that's right that's right two of them were stayed in Cove that's right, the Darmy Yerzy and the set of. There you go, Richard. I didn't think you'd know I'd remember that one. The Darmy Yerzy and the set of were two massive, massive boats. They stayed uh, in Cove. I was on board the, the set of, I think it was. Uh, D on WhatsApp on the pavements in Cove says what ma- makes the point that many wide footpaths are essential for cane users or for families with dogs, for autism or elderly and vulnerable people. Valid point, D. Valid point. In fact, you'll know if if the pavement is constructed specifically with the cane users or in mind, what you'll see along the edges of them is these little kind of a they're like a reddish block. They they, they stand out from the rest of the pavement. And they have bumps on it. I didn't know what that was until a buddy of mine told me they're they're actually tactile they're they're for people who use canes and that kind of thing they're for they're so that they know they're at the edge of the pavement if you see them that's one of the specific reasons why that big wide area is there paul works on mccurtain street and is always very all and well and good for outdoor eating but when that street goes two-way there's no way a delivery driver or a taxi can stop to collect or drop without blocking the street which which is a, a fair point 1850-715-996. Just before I move on, a sad note. I saw it yesterday on Facebook. Uh, the lady from KLM, the landlady from the KLM bar down there by the by the railway station, uh, Maura Hallahan, known better to thousands just as Nana. Uh, she died peacefully at her home at the Lord Landmire Road yesterday. Her name, she was known as Nana. And in fact, the pub on Douglas Street, Nana's, is named in her honour. And I think we spoke to her in March of 2018. I think we did. 
speak to her back in March of 2018. Uh, she was known to one and all universally as Nana. And she uh, she got her cheque from the President recently and she was very proud of it. And very proud of everything to do with her heritage and her pubs and her family and, and all of that. And she's passed away peacefully at the age of 100. And may she rest in peace. She was a bit of an owl legend. So she was. 1850-715-996. Let us go to Mayfield. Yesterday I spoke to Councillor Ted Tynan and we discussed, shall we say, the ins and outs of rat infestations in Mayfield. And we asked the, the, the council for a statement, which they gave us, and which I'll get to in a while. But without going into the details of why it's happening, without going into the details of who's doing the dumping specifically, Nicole's had a horrible experience with the rats. Hi, Nicole. Good morning. Hi, how are you? Good. You were putting the bins out when? Uh, Monday night. Okay, tell me what happened. Um, we we have two waste bins. Um, they go out every two weeks. So as we do on a Monday night, um, we, we put them out the front. So what happened was I got the black bin, walked out ahead of my aunt. That was grand. My aunt took the green bin um, and she pulled it in. She went to lock the back door and next thing, eight to ten rats just ran out of the bin, started running all over the flat hall, started climbing the walls. My aunt was screaming. Saying, but they ran out of the bin that she was about to push out? Oh. Pull through the flat hall, yeah. Whoa. The thoughts of it. Oh, it was... Uh, oh. We're absolutely traumatised still. Yeah. Um, she had to literally stand on the handle of the back door. Um, she was trying everything to, to find her way because, like, the flat hall, it's just, like, it's tight. Like, it's in a, it's an enclosed space, like. Um, so she was just screaming, and I opened the door, and one ran towards me. So I was just say, saying to her, run, 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 come on, run, run. So we ran, she got out, we came in here, we came into our home um, and uh, we fared our lives. We just packed what we could. We took my nieces, my sister, my cousin, my aunt and me, we just took what we could and we left. And where did you go? We had to go to my other sister's house. Nobody is willing to take us in over the COVID, which is understandable because it is a frightening time for people. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. And ten rats jumped out of the bin and they were climbing up the walls. Oh, God. They were everywhere in the flat hall. And then a neighbour of mine upstairs opened the door to see what all the commotion was as she was frightened. As in, we were just shouting and stuff. And she saw a rat outside her door. So she just slammed the door. And she was another person who actually had to leave her home as well. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I hope none of them got into the flat, do they? No, not none. You managed to you managed to slam the door in time. Yeah, but like um, I was talking to Ted Tynan and I was showing him that last August we thought we caught what was a mouse in our room, but it was actually a rat. Ted informed me. Oh, inside and inside in the flat. Inside, yeah. Good. In our bedroom where we were sleeping, we thought it was a mouse. Oh. Now, a mouse is no better from a rat because I'm afraid of my life of both, but when I heard it was a rat, 
And this is going on months now. Yeah, this is going on years. Years. Yeah, I have another neighbour as well. I, I won't mention names. I'll just call them neighbours. Um, and she's fighting the last three years as well to try and get something done about this. And uh, we went around last night in the Lashins of Rain, knocking on all the apartment blocks to try and get a petition signed up to see can we get anywhere with the situation. And yeah, a lot I, of I, mean, I, I presume you brought it to the attention of City Hall before, like? Yeah. yeah. I'm not personally the only one. There was a lot of people when we were around last night saying that they have brought this to the attention of them and like nothing is being done, that they're sick of it. Yeah. I was she, talking to another resident around the front of the flat that actually has a rat hole from her front door right underneath her house, out her back. God. The amount of stories we heard last night is more traumatising than what we were already. And are you gone back into the flat now, yeah? Uh, since yesterday, yeah. yeah. You kind of have no choice, really. No. Yeah. Sounds like this is something you need to see to believe. I mean, the the idea... I remember opening my own wheelie bin long ago out the back of my house and, and one one big, dirty, filthy rat jumped out and I wasn't right for a couple of days. I just, no, I'm not no. Really God almighty. Do you know? But, like, you can see them clear as day, like, playing with each other out the backs and stuff. They're running along the fences. It's, it's in broad daylight just as well as nighting. You can see them, you can yeah. hear them. And when the they're out in daylight, it means that that's an infestation because they have no fear of anybody. No. Are there kids living with you? Have your kids yourself? No, I don't. Um, but my aunt has a daughter who's 13 and my sister is currently staying with us. And my two nieces are only 17 months and six months. Right. Oh, it's a, it's, a hor- it's a horrible thought. Horrible, horrible. Yeah. We don't leave them out of our sight. Yeah. We literally threw out, we had to get a man with a van and throw out a lot of the, the stuff that was on the floor, just fearing in case something had touched them. That's right. That's right, because you have, if, if you had a rat in the bedroom, God knows where it was doing its business and wheels disease and infections of yeah. all kinds and all that. Well, the rat was caught last year in our bedroom, not, not, not exactly recently, this yeah, but time, but that's not to say... That there is any. Yeah. And if you looked out now, you would just you'd see them by day. Yeah. yeah. Yes. Mags is in in the horrors. She's on the Twitter on Twitter. She's in the horrors just at the very thought of. It. I have to say, I'm not too, I'm not too far. I, I've, I've no real problem with mice, but I, I I'm not a not a fan of the rats at all, <laughs> to say the very least. We did get a statement from the council. Hold on, there. I put my hand on it. Uh, I'll read it for you, Nicole, while you're there. It says, Cork City Council has been engaging with residents in the area in relation to the problem with illegal rubbish dumping and arrangements are being made for the removal of the rubbish. Once the rubbish has been removed, we will engage the services of a pest control company. Various sections in Cork City Council have been working together to tackle the problem and the cross-functional approach is being undertaken to address issues of dumping in the courtyard and its management going forward. Community awareness initiatives will be undertaken to try and prevent the problem occurring again. A lot of big words there. What they seem to be saying is we'll sort it for you. Yeah, but um, you see, that's the problem. It's when, because we had pest control out um, and the pest control man told us basically that he's sick of his back teeth of coming out here because 
the rubbish is unbelievable that it's not going to stop. He said that the rats have somewhere to sleep, somewhere to eat, shelter, everything that like and he put a bait box out my back and about two or three backs up. But like that you know, like oh I don't know. Mm. One of your neighbours I think let his set his dogs on them. Yeah. Yeah. And we actually had pictures and Ted was up of six rats that the dog caught in the flat hall. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. Dogs love an old chase off a rat, but it doesn't make life any easier. No. Okay. Literally any time we're here, we're hearing a noise, we're all we're all literally paranoid, we're all jumping. Oh, it's, it's yeah, would you hear them? Like, would you would you hear them at night going round? You're trying to get a bit of sleep. My sister does. I'm like in the front room. My sister does in the back room. I couldn't. Yeah, yeah. Well, look, the council, according to their statement, they seem to be planning to take the rubbish out and and get something done. So, would you do me a favour? Would you keep keep in touch? And I know Ted will anyway. Keep in touch with us, and we'll see we'll see where we go with this. Yeah, no problem. And, and stay safe. I'd say borrow the neighbour's dog the next time you're going out for, for the bins. We do, like, uh, none of the neighbours put out the bins. Like, I have my bins on my front, but I'm afraid to use them. I'm really, really afraid for my life to use them. I will never grow them back. I never have until the other day yeah. for the first time, and I couldn't. Yeah, all right. Look after yourself and all the family members around you, Nicole. Thanks a lot. 1850-715-996. If the rats are around by day, that's an infestation. Ten of them hopping out of a bin, that's lethal. Dogs having to be sent out by one of the flat owners to, to clear the hall before he can put his... It's not acceptable. And I get it. The council will do what it can. It'll clear the rubbish and get rid of the rats. But until such time as the clamp down on who's doing the illegal dumping and stop it from happening, then we'll just be here again. 1850 715 996. You guys ready? Watch out, watch out. Oh. The Big Drive Home, weekdays from 4. On Cork's 96FM. Hey, it's Lorraine. Join me on The Big Drive Home every weekday where I've got you sorted with the best music mix, the latest in Cork traffic and travel. I'll be testing out your music knowledge on the one second song. And all thanks to Toppers at Turner's Cross, I want to hook you up with free food on the takeover. So for that and more, I'll talk to you weekdays from four. The Big Drive Home. With Ford Lease, takes the hassle out of vehicle leasing. If you're a business, it's easy to budget with no unforeseen costs. Cork's 96FM. Yeah, some response to that. David says, Hi PJ, under no circumstances should the council remove the rubbish. If they do, then those responsible for it will just keep doing it. The residents know who's responsible. They need to report them. The taxpayer shouldn't have to clean up the mess. David, at the moment, people want rid of the rats. They're not particularly bothered about why the rats are there. And I guess if you were taking out your wheelie bin and 10 rats jumped out of it, you don't care how they got in there. You just want rid of them. So get rid of the rats first. Maybe they will come back. Maybe the littering will continue. But let's get rid of the rats first. Kieran says, get cats in for rats. Dogs are pure useless. Not really. I happen to have both. And I'll tell you, the only cat that'll bother the rats with a rat is a hungry one. So if you're feeding your cat, forget it. They won't bother with the rat. The dogs, on the other hand, remember the night I told you, I was saying to Nicole about the night the dog jumped out of my wheelie bin. 
I tell you, old Herbie wasn't long making short work of the rat. <laughs> he didn't even hit the ground. Herbie was on him. For fun, for sport. 1850-715-996. Donald wants us to ask drivers to put on their lights. It is dirty out there, filthy. It's not about them seeing where they're going. It's about other drivers seeing them. Thanks for that, Donald. I mentioned the late Maura Halden, or Nana, as she was known to many, many, many people. She passed away the last day or two at the age of 100 years. Well, she appeared on the show back in 2018, around the end of March 2018. Fergal has done a quick delve into the Opinion Line archive. And on that particular day, she was talking on the Opinion Line about how she actually came to own a pub in the first place. I joined England, you know what I mean? We were, we were accepted there, yeah, you know what I mean? And then my husband wanted to come back. So I said, I, I'm not going back as a housewife. Rare to go to school and getting married. And my daughter, eldest daughter, Kathleen, they got married in England. And uh, I said, if it's, you know, some little business. So um, we started looking up and he said, what about buying a pub? So I said, I don't mind. For once, I'm doing something. And that's how Nana became the owner of KLM, which <laughs> I always used to think was just a Dutch airline. But it's far, far more than that. May she rest in peace. 1850 You're wrong, PJ. You're wrong. The better the cat is fed, the better the hunter he is, says Mike from Kenturk. Mike. Mike. For as many years as I can remember, there have been two cats, and at one time there was five, and there, well, four of them were, three of them was kittens, and there have been two dogs. At one point, there was three dogs in Coogan Towers. And in all the years, I have been brought many a present, particularly on a summer morning, I've been brought many a present of a dead bird and a very proud little cat sitting over it. Of two little cats, one of them, the little black and white one, is just a messer. The lovely black cat is a serial predator. She is a murderous little swine. But she's never once brought me a rat or a mouse. She brings me birds. Remember when the magpies were the size of bowling balls? She managed to rip the arse off at least two of them. Now they got away. The dogs, on the other hand, no, no, there's one of the dogs, me little King Charles. My little King Charles, any rat that comes within the ass's roar of the King Charles, and he will be in or she will be into the ditch after that rat faster. I've never seen my dogs bring in, I've never seen my cats bring in a rat or a mouse, but the dogs go after them. That's just lived experience. Can anyone up there buy rat poison? If everyone looked after their own area, there'd be no problem, says Sean. See, Sean, they shouldn't have to. You shouldn't have to. Do you know? You're right if everyone bought some rat poison. But then again, the problem is the neighbour has a dog. The dog would find the rat poison. Then you're in trouble. 1850-715-996. There's been a spate over the years of roadworks that were, how shall we put this, not up to scratch. 
we've all seen them, we've all heard them, we've all sort of been told the story of the pothole, the big pothole in the middle of the street and a couple of plops of tar into it. Or utility companies, water, phone, etc., gas, who dig up the footpaths to get meters in and get add pipe work and the whole thing. And they don't fix it properly. I've taken complaint after complaint after complaint over the years about utility companies digging up a pavement and leaving it in an awful state afterwards. They don't reinstate it. Reinstate and make good is the building term for it. When you dig something up or you break something through, or you, you reinstate and you make good. And there have been any number of complaints uh, recently acknowledged by uh, County Council Chief Executive Tim Lucy. Uh, Councillor Seamus McGrath joins me. Seamus, good morning. Good morning, TJ. This, this is an, on, an ongoing problem. It, it is an ongoing problem, and I suppose at the outset, PJ, I just want to acknowledge that the issue was raised at our council meeting last Monday by Councillor Noel Collins from Middleton okay. uh, by, by a motion Noel put down. You, you'll know Noel yourself, he's, he's quite a long-standing councillor, and he raised this motion to generate a very healthy debate, and I've spoken it myself, giving several examples in our own local area. So the essence of it was, I suppose he was saying, look, there needs to be better coordination here between utility companies and roads authorities. Um, we all have examples uh, where new road surfaces, new footpaths have been put down and sometimes within a matter of days or weeks uh, they are being dug up again by utility companies putting in various services, whether it's broadband, gas, electric, um, Irish water, other telecoms, etc. So it's a, it's a very significant issue. Yeah. Um, so there's the first through. question that, that it raises, Seamus, and we've, we've seen this happen. Do you know, the new footpath is put in, it's pristine, and a week or 10 days later, there's a fella drilling it up and, and they're putting in, like you said, broadband or water or anything at all. Like, does no one talk to each other about getting this stuff in first? Yeah, I suppose that's the key issue and I think that was the purpose of the motion to try and improve the coordination. Now, look, to be fair, I, I have to be fair with Cork County Council um, in the examples that I know very recently in my area, I know they made every effort to contact utility companies and to try and get... Um, try and get an adequate response from them in terms of various works that are going to be undertaken, whether it's a road or a footpath. But very often the the coordination isn't there at the utility end. Um, so, for example, we, we put down footpaths in the States in Carrigaline recently and in one particular case the footpath was up within a matter of days for a broadband, uh, by a broadband utility company. And I checked that with the council engineer and he said, look, we, we have been in touch with them numerous times trying to get a date, trying to get an idea of when the work is likely to happen. But in the end, the council said they had no choice but to proceed with the work because it was necessary work that had to be done. Yeah. So these are the kind of issues that arise on a day-to-day basis. And the whole idea is that coordination needs to be improved. The utility companies will end up paying for that repair. But at the end of the day, PJ, as you know, well, we all end up paying for that because we're all customers of these utility companies, yeah. whether it's broadband, electric, gas, and so on. So it isn't it isn't fine to say, oh look, they're going to end up yeah. paying for the repair, etc. But and the other thing too, Seamus, look, if you must, you must. If you can't coordinate, you can't coordinate. That's all very fine. But if you're going to dig it up, put it back as you found it. Yeah, and that's that's the other issue, the reinstatement. But look, at the end of the day, it is 
if you're digging a trench in a new road, a new footpath, I mean, it's far, far better to avoid that happening in the first place because you know yourself, trenches end up subsiding, issues arise in terms of maintenance. So it is far better if that's avoided in the first place. Let's all coordinate better. If a road is being done, let's ensure that all utility companies have responded back saying, look, we have we've no intention to carry out work in the next number of years or whatever. Yeah. And that needs to be improved. But you're right, reinstatement is a key issue and we all have examples and look, to be fair, I have to say Irish Water is up there in terms of being, uh, being being a utility which needs to improve its act on this because we all have examples where works have been undertaken by Irish Water, whether it's carrying out a repair to a water main or whether it's it's other type of maintenance work. And, and the work in terms of reinstatement leaves a lot to be desired. And that is something that we ha- as councillors have raised quite a lot in council in council chamber at meetings. Um, and what's it is what's, the, what's the procedure if I'm uh, from a utility company, be it Irish Water, be it anybody, and I need to bring cable or pipe or something under a footpath or across the road. What's the procedure? Do I have to contact County Hall and get a, some kind of a, a permit? You do, you do. So if it's a case of a road, you'll have to get a road opening licence um, and that has to be approved by the council. Um, and similarly, if it's a footpath, there has to be approval given as well. Um, and, and look, if that happens, the council has to assess it and so on and put conditions on that in terms of the reinstatement and the nature of the and Does anybody inspect the reinstatement, by the way? They do, they do, but look, council engineers can be quite frustrated too in trying to get the utility companies to ensure that the work is, is up to standard and, and going back and there's often engagement post the work mm-hmm. trying to trying to get the work improved. Because so what strikes me, Seamus, as one way of doing this, uh, and I'm not telling you what to do, but I am, <laughs> I suppose, oh, is okay. <laughs> if, if a company, and we'll, we'll, you know, doesn't matter what it is, if a company comes into an estate and decides, or wherever, and says, I need, I get the permit to dig up a number of roads and, and all this... Um, and then they make a mess of the reinstatement. The council has a certain level of power here in that they can refuse them the next road opening permit until they make good the first one. Yeah, they do. They do have power, certainly. And um, these utility companies need to engage with the councils on an ongoing basis. So they do have power. And if the council engineers aren't satisfied, that has to be reflected in future decisions. Of course it does. Um, but I think another important point, which Councillor Collins had in his motion on Monday, was the idea of new construction, new roads, etc., that there should be spare ducting put in, in at the outset so that you basically have a tunnel under the surface that if utility services need to be put provided, that you can use the spare ducting. And in the response we got from the Director of Roads, he said, yes, that is that is happening in new construction. So, for example, the McCroom Bypass, the Caragline Relief Road, which is due to start soon, it, there will be spare ducting put in under those roads to ensure that they will not be dug up in the near future. Um, and look, we all understand that issues arise, water main, pipes break, etc., and that that is understandable. But at the same time, PJ, we, we have roads resurfaced in our own electoral area here where there is a history of a water main breaking, for example, in one case... 14 times in five years, so that's on average more than twice a year, and yet the council had to resurface the road recently because it just simply needed to be done by virtue of the condition of the road, and Irish Water did not undertake uh, an upgrade of that water main. So that's the type of thing that is very difficult to, to, to rationalise and understand. It is it is inevitable that there will be breaks to that water main, and it is inevitable that we will be digging up that road again. So that is where the system needs to improve. I mean, we all understand unforeseen things arise, but when there is a clear history of breaks on a water main, it's clear it's past its lifetime, and and that it needs to be replaced. We have to ensure that that happens, and that those types of instances need to be prioritised. And the council does provide its work programmes to the utility companies at the outset every year 
these are the roads we're going to be doing, these are the footpaths we're going to be doing. Um, and I think what we were all trying to highlight on, on Monday is utility companies need to engage better and there needs to be better coordination on this on this type of issue. Okay, we'll see where it goes from here. Thank you. Uh, Councillor Seamus McGrath, uh, Fianna Fáil Councillor from the Carrick Lane Passage area. There's a new procedure in the UK. This is according to someone on the phone at 1850-715-996. If a utility wants to dig up a road in the UK now, they have to inform the other utility companies and they then get the opportunity to put in a duct if that's another utility. If they don't and they need to put infrastructure in after, they can be told tough luck. Thanks, Sean. So in other words, Irish Water would say, right, we're digging up such and such a road, up in Farinree or down in Douglas or wherever. We're going to dig up such and such a road. They then contact, we said the electric and they contact the broadband company, they contact whoever, and they say, listen, we're digging up that road. It'll be up between such and such a date and such and such a date. Do you need to put that in here or in the future? We leave a bit of space for a duct. Put in a duct. If you don't put in a duct, then you see they can't. Good idea. Good idea. <laughs> fool! You fool, PJ. Put a bell on your cat to stop them killing birds. I could answer that in two ways. I could answer it first and say, why would I spoil their fun? But that would be the cruel way of doing it. The, the correct way to answer the question, this again is lived experience, and I speak of this gorgeous little black cat that, that occupies our house. And if you met her, Holly, she's the most beautiful, soft little black creature. She is a predatory savage when she's let out on her own. And she has left more bells in the grass <laughs> than she's left birds. 1850-715-996, she rips them off her. She knows, she knows by the sound they're going to spoil her phone. You obviously have no idea what it's like to keep a cat. They're people, personalities all of their own. 1850-715-996. Hi, PJ. Who gives the utility companies permission to do the digging? If it's the council, surely they should notify them the hole is open on such a time and then everyone do what they have to do before it's reinstated. Yeah, that's pretty much what they're saying in the UK. That's from Craig in Balancholic. Maria says they should rent the cat out. Sounds like puss in boots. There's a problem, Maria. She's a real homely family cat. Any stranger would lose their arm from the elbow down. So, no, won't going to happen. There are floods between Coachford and Dripsy. Two or three feet of water. It's completely impassable now for any car. Uh, so, Bigi Kurumuk out there. 1850-715-996. I want to read this and assure you that we will come back to it tomorrow on the show. This came in during the morning. We're concerned and we've been in touch and we'll do our level best to help. I'm texting you as we are in a desperate state as to where to turn with my brother. He is suicidal at the moment. He's self-harmed and he ended up in the mercy. He's now been discharged and been told to see his own GP. He was saying he doesn't want to live. We're at our wits end and we don't know where to turn now. We were wondering would the listeners know of anywhere that we could take him. Now we will try to get a charity on air tomorrow and have a chat about people like this and your brother and yourself and your family and what help might be out there. I will only assure you of this. You're not alone. There are many people in this situation and there is help there. There's plenty help there and we'll try to get some for you. 1850 715 996. Coming back to that 
tomorrow. Finally today, I hope I get this pronunciation right. I've been practicing all morning. Aisha on a log bow. Good morning. Good morning. Thank Mark. you so much for having me. Marks out of 10 for the pronunciation of your name. Uh, eight. <laughs> <laughs> okay. Now, you are off to the final of Miss Universe Ireland, Aisha. Yes, I am. Exciting times. Exciting. Yes, it is. <laughs> Why is it so important to you to enter? Why did you enter it in the first place? Because I wanted to show like people that Miss Universe Ireland isn't only about modelling. It's a way of empowerment. And like from a very young age, I lacked uh, so much confidence in myself. Uh, but I learned that why have a voice if you're going to stay silent? And we were all born in this world to stand out. And Miss Universe Ireland was a way for me to use my voice and show girls all you need is confidence and you can just conquer the world. And no matter your background, no matter where you're from, all you need to be is you. And I can also raise awareness on the issues I feel like that we need change in Ireland. And that's the main reason I applied for Miss Universe Ireland. Tell me a little bit about yourself. Uh, So I'm 19 years old and I'm currently studying pharmacy at UCC. And I'm also very sporty. I used to play so much sports, uh, such as basketball, athletics. But my main events that I do is sprinting, and I love that. And I'm also into fashion, which is another reason why I applied to Miss Universe Island. So I like I can I feel like I can apply like education, fashion, and sports together, and just like inspire girls all over the world that. You don't have to stick to one thing. You can be whatever you want. Now, you were born in Dublin, but you're living in Middleton. I went to school there. Yeah. Yeah. Um, yeah, I went to school in Middleton. Uh, St. Bridget's in primary school and St. Mary's High School right. in Middleton and then UCC. We'll accept you as one of our own, so... <laughs> <laughs> Even though you're a dub. <laughs> now, speaking of school, you... you I guess this is the observations of life. You're big on school meals and how they should be available. Yes, because people feel like um, free meals isn't important, but obesity levels are rising, diabetes is rising, there's such a huge rise in chronic illnesses in people at a very young age. And like poor diet affects um, us as our behaviour, concentration and mood. And like any investment in young children that reduces that diseases in young adults is very, very worthwhile, I feel. And that over 300,000 people in Ireland, like over 300,000 children are living in child poverty. And by having these free meals in schools, it will increase their potential to be the best version of themselves. It will increase their concentration. And us as children, as young adults, we're meant to consume 50% of our daily calories at school and in canteens. And so having like free school meals is the way for a healthy lifestyle and you can carry that on to adulthood and also reduce the rate of diseases in the world. And that will also reduce like health um, pressure on the health system, as you can see. The health system is uh, very 
very there's a lot of pressure on the health system yeah. right now. The, so there's a disease called rickets. I've no doubt you you've heard of it, and and there's a problem with yeah. rickets in Dublin and a problem with rickets in the UK through bad um, nutrition in in, in exactly. childhood, and and exactly. you feel that and I don't know if it's in Cork yet, I, but, but 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 presumably it is, or if not, it's only a matter of time. Yeah. You you reckon that if we all made sure that every child got something substantial to eat in school every day that we could avoid a lot of those problems. Exactly, 100%. And it's also like it prevents, even at the time of crisis at home, if you have food in school, you feel much more better about yourself. And it just helps you become much more productive as going into adulthood. Yeah. So yes, exactly, 100%. Okay. Now, uh, you're you're also very uh, passionate about equality for the disabled. I think your mum works in, in, in that sector, does she? Yeah, it, she does. And it, yeah, she does. It just showed me the struggles that a lot of people are going through in life. And it was just something I'm very passionate about that. I'm very proud that she's working with them. Yeah. You think there is a big barrier? There are barriers to people in the education system you know, depending on where they come from, what their background is, and I guess if they have a disability. Yeah. Yeah. 100%. Like, going back to the issue on child poverty, like, in 2020, there's 300, like, around 300,000 children in child poverty. And education in Ireland, like, there's no doubt our education system in Ireland is one of the best but it can be better and it can be improved for people who are less privileged that let's say um, the fees to pay for your leaving cert, um the HPAT the HPAT is so, like just a study for the HPAT some people have to pay over a thousand euro yeah. but then what if you're less privileged how are you going to pay for that like you're already ca- um, counting them out of the the points for medicine yeah. if that makes sense uh, yeah, yeah. Should, yeah. The like, pa- it's a like huge, it's a huge financial burden for some families, yeah. and you're right. It is the reason why some kids never get to go forward to try for medicine, even though they might have the uh, the brains and the ability for it. When is the final, Aisha? The finals should be around December, but they're not hundred percent sure yet yeah. because I'll, of COVID nineteen. Yeah, will they be doing it online, or will it be a live final? Do you know? Um, I do. I think they'll be doing it online. Okay. But well, yeah. The, the very best of luck to you when it comes up. Thank you so 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 much. Great Thank to talk. So great much. to talk to you. Uh, and Thank uh, you so much. Fly the Cork flag with pride at that final. That's Aisha on a logbo, uh, one of the finalists in Miss Universe Ireland. Eighteen fifty seven one five nine nine six. Coming up tomorrow, the reopening of Dublin Douglas Village Shopping Centre. Uh, We remember the end of August 2019, the terrible fire and the fallout from that. Well, it's reopening tomorrow after the fire and we'll have coverage of that event, huge event, across the whole morning. Uh, Fiona Corkin will be there talking to shoppers and talking to people reopening their businesses. We'll be hearing from those businesses and, and, and how they're now looking forward to Christmas after finally getting their doors open again. So a big a big focus on the program tomorrow on the Douglas Village Shopping Centre reopening after the terrible fire of the end of August 2019. So don't miss a minute of it. Tomorrow, the opinion line on Cork's 96FM. The show is edited by Terry Brennan, produced and researched by Fergal Barry. And we'll see you tomorrow, just after nine.